This is another edition of our podcast, All About Design. We've been busy this past year, and this is our first episode of 2022. And we're really excited to share what we've been up to this year. And we're recording today at RVCC in the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles. I'm Vern Stelzer. I'm an architectural designer at TDC. And we're talking with Jamie and Kristen today. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Jamie Garza, CEO, founder, principal, and structural area, structural design. That's about it for me. That's all the hats you wear? <laughs> There's more. There's more, no <laughs> doubt. Hi, I'm Kristen Cole. I am the Chief Operating Officer of the Design Collaborative and a mechanical engineer by training. Great, welcome. So TDC is approaching fourth birthday. How do we feel? I feel great. So Kristen started July 1st uh, as the our Chief Operating Officer. Sounds so fancy, <laughs> so, so official. We've had ups and downs. We've been in business the past three years, uh, not including this year. This year, we're doing things a little differently. Kristen's an example of what we're doing differently. First three years, we're definitely in entrepreneurial phase of the company. I guess I'm owning being an entrepreneur, and it's been a fun phase, and I think we need to grow out of it. Any comments, Kristen? <laughs> yeah, I I met you right around the time when TDC started, and I was super excited to meet you and hear about what you were doing starting this company, going out on your own. And I was really inspired to, you know, be a collaborator with you over the past couple of years and now transitioning into this full-time role. It's really exciting to see what's ahead. Year four has been really interesting to like watch what's happened with the company and prepare for what's to come. So, you know, like you mentioned, the entrepreneurial phase, what have been some of the pain points, lessons, like things that are motivating, you know, TDC to grow out of that entrepreneurial phase? The entrepreneurial phase is a phase I've heard and read about and learned about in every company that every company has to grow out of or the entrepreneurial person needs to leave or hand it over or grow into a different sort of leader. And that's something that I learned was very important was to be a leader. I kind of rejected that. The design collaborative was kind of a commune sort of, you know, socialist sort of company where everyone had a say. And we were bringing in people, talented, wonderful people to work. And we just gave them like, go ahead, do your job, you know, and with very little direction and very little management of the process. And I think management's that key word and process is another word that's kind of what's come up in year four. The entrepreneurial phase was wonderful, great, very idealistic, and a disaster <laughs> in many ways. It was a roller coaster ride where there was a lot of crashing and burning. And at some points in year three, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm starting over again with just me. And going into year four, and we'll kind of get into that later, is like, am I serious about this company growing? Or do I just want to be a one-person, maybe a two-, three-person sort of company and stay at that level? And I've never really wanted to be in a small kind of company working from your garage I was, I was loathed that idea. And it's funny that I'm, you know, basically doing that for the past 
four years, but I do want to grow. I do want to see our ideas flourish. We've talked about, I think I'm still idealistic. I still want us to be innovative. I want us to be ecologically appropriate in our, in our designs. I want us to contribute to our built environment. I think we can do that. I just need to grow from being an entrepreneurial type of person into a real leader and someone that values management and processes. And that's Kristen. I was just going to, you know, segue into Kristen. What have been your primary drivers in not only this effort to exit this phase and onto the next, but in your new role as COO? Well, having known Jamie for a few years now and, and been a collaborator over the past couple of years as an external consultant and as an advocate for the firm, I kind of have watched this entrepreneurial phase happen and I've, I've watched this flat structure that you kind of described fail, frankly, a little bit, like with people that maybe weren't ready for that type of a structure to be thrown into it. And being somebody who's always admired the growth of tech companies and that industry in general, like it's like Jeff Bezos in the garage type vibes. And I am like, wow, we can do so with, much here. With no funding. <laughs> with no funding. <laughs> no funding, no capital, uh, no venture capital, right? No outside capital. But I saw what you had created this company out of in your mind, the inspiration that you had and the vision that you had and I believe in that fully. And I think that that can be extremely successful and totally scaled with the right processes and management and people brought into the culture. So that's really my inspiration in joining the company full time and being able to take it to that next step. I mean, we learned, I learned a lot, basically. And I still want to be a platform for people, a platform for a community. That's kind of in our mission, our vision is to be a platform for good design, a platform for innovation. We're in the process of creating that. And I thought innocently entrepreneurial, I'm going to blame it on being an entrepreneur, <laughs> but maybe I was just very ignorant and I'll admit that. I just thought you get a good bunch of people, talented, wonderful people, and it happens a company happens, success happens. I've learned the hard way and it was the hard way. We've lost some people. We've had some, you know, gossip and talking behind backs, everything that's toxic that I wanted not to happen. Typical kind of bullying behavior happening, just going back to everything that we're trying to escape and not repeat. And Year three kind of like was the climax and also the fall. And I really feel like the catalyst it was a client of ours recommending that I do a UCLA short course. And they um, offered a scholarship for me to do an entrepreneurial management course at UCLA. Basically, the UCLA course said, you're an entrepreneur, you can grow for three years and you're going to hit a ceiling and you need to either sell the company, give it away or change as a, as a leader, as a manager into a more process oriented or management driven company. And that's, I think what we're trying to do here in year four. 
it's quite a serendipitous offering, you know, for a course like that to just come and give you that insight because when you're so close to it and it's such an emotional investment, it, it's impossible to do it with one pair of eyes. I want to take over the hosting position <laughs> and I want to ask Vern. So Vern came in during year three and during kind of a painful period and they saw the disaster that was unfolding. And <laughs> also <laughs> they saw what we're hoping is the rebirth of the design collaborative and getting back to our values, getting back to our mission. So I wanna ask Fern if they can provide what they experienced. Cause I know you were ground zero. Um, you <laughs> yeah. were a full-time, in, our first full-time employee our first architect employee, I'm a structural engineer, so it's very odd to have uh, this integrated company, an integrated startup company like ours from the get-go. And so, Fern, can you kind of like <laughs> talk about your the hot experience? Seat. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, for listeners who are maybe, what's so different about this company if you've not listened to the previous podcast? Basically, what interested me in the design collaborative was this integrated structure where every discipline, mechanical, electrical, structural, architecture, like everybody finds a way to work together from ground up. So these designs are working and developing in tandem as opposed to, you know, my my background is architecture. So I could have gone to an architecture firm where the structural engineers and the mechanical engineers are consultants. But, you know, truthfully, I've, I've worked in firms like that, and it just feels like there's so much missed opportunity for integrated and efficient and beautiful design. I actually, you know, I met Jamie through a, a mutual friend, and the mutual friend was like, oh, you'd love this team of people. They've got this big vision. Even in my interview, I was like, yep, yep, this is a shared vision. And I really do respect the commitment to being interdisciplinary in a very true way. I work with both Kristen and Jamie on a daily basis. I communicate with consultants. I'm very involved from ground up of every project. And that is such a special place as an architect to be in because my education is mostly in like, how do we make a good solution for everybody, right? Both the client, the team, and all the consultants. But being like in it, in the dredges with everybody at the same time is so wonderful and so eye-opening. And when I started... I was very well informed that you are ground zero. This is our structure is very different and I'm a bit of a free bird myself. So I, I respect it. I like, I liked the structure and there was a lot of lessons on communication, how stress can trickle throughout a company when you're the person doing the drafting and the people asking for the drafting are stressed and deadlines and just like normal people stuff that I feel like it it gets well flushed out at an established firm or whatever typical firm, but in something where everyone is an equal, everybody is different and everyone is encouraged to be different. Therefore, we're all encouraged to learn how to communicate with each other, which I think that in itself is one of the greatest things I've taken away so far from this company is we are all equal players here. Experience, whatever, we all have an opinion. We're all encouraged to participate as much as we want, you know, as much as we're able, give our opinions and that type of communication style, those lessons learned is so valuable and so rare, truly, in a company that is like doing work of this scale and the breadth of experience of each and every member, those who are still with us, those who are no longer with the company. That type of exposure is really valuable. You know, some of the pain points, I mean, we worked through them super quickly. Another really great positive about this team is that being ground zero, I was given the voice to say, hey, 
this isn't, you know, this isn't really working or, Hey, maybe let's have a conversation about this. You know, I think there's been a lot of growth in terms of jumping into the boards, like the, the Kanban boards of the to-do list, what's in progress. And so these shared boards that everybody sees what everyone's up to. And, you know, that not only gives me as a singular employee more insight into what I'm supposed to be doing that day, but also like an insight into what everyone else is doing. Because when we work from home, we work remote. A lot of the time, it's it's hard to keep in touch and keep track of what everyone's doing. And, you know, truthfully, I feel like I've learned more from the growth we've all contributed to as a company than the work itself. Because working with people is ultimately what makes you a good architect, in my opinion, is learning how to communicate. So in that, pain points are not. Like, it's been wonderful and really exciting to see happen, especially with Kristen on board. So... Now that I'm no longer in the hot seat, <laughs> I was definitely not prepared for that. So you know it was honest. So I'll go back to the question. That sounded really good. That was <laughs> really was good, like, yeah. yeah. Vern is, I, I'm <clears throat> impressed with the fact that Vern's on board. And honestly, earlier this year, at the beginning of the year, end of last year, we were really soul searching because people were leaving. We were negotiating with other people to continue working with us. And I was going to Kristen as an advisor at the time and saying like, we're making Vern's life miserable. We were working like a typical, so she's being very kind um, to us. We are idealistic. We are a different sort of company, but we were working like a typical company that was kind of like slave driving everyone and not having managed project. I was thinking they were somewhat managed, but not properly managed projects. Uh, there was a little bit too much freedom given to every person. And, and Vern was being pulled in three or four directions and people were frustrated. They were frustrated. I want to say that we thought of something. I asked Kristen for help. Uh, we had Derek come in. Derek is a principal consultant. He came in and and volunteered to be Vern's mentor, that created a new process for us. It enlightened not only, and Vern, you might be able to speak to this, but we addressed a situation of how we work. The Kanban board you're talking about or the technology where we've implemented this year immediately was reaction to the situation we had put you in, a new hire. We all realized it was unfair. I was held accountable. Uh, we gave Derek authority to hold me accountable and Kristen held me accountable <laughs> as an advisor. And maybe Kristen, you can talk about this experience of how we've actually, it was a great lesson learned and a great process that we want to implement that what we created for you, Vern, is something that I want for me. <laughs> And that we should have for Kristen and for every person in the design collaborative. Yeah. yeah. So I can speak to what that process was. So, you know, Jamie, you mentioned that we had identified this pain point with Vern being like a stretch Armstrong, like everybody wanting everything from them all the time. And, you know, we sat down and with Derek and, and with some other people that were with us at the time. And um, we said, OK, what's not working here? you know, is it us? Is it them? Is it everyone? Was it the situation? And we put together a mentorship plan that had key goals, very specific goals and a timeline to achieve those goals. And as you mentioned, we did Pear Burn 
with Derek, who is somebody, someone with really great insights and just a lovely demeanor to be in that position. Definitely. Um, somebody who can act as like a totally neutral third party through that process of, you know, weekly check-ins of where we are with these goals and, you know, what's the mentorship process feedback. We identified a lot of issues internally to TDC that were creating the pain points that Vern was experiencing. And we owned those, you owned those. We called you out on some of the, some of the items, the pain points and behaviors. And that process was really great for everyone involved. I think we all learned to take more ownership and responsibility for the way that we communicate and the way that we act. And we made a lot of changes from that process. And I think it's something that we definitely want to carry into the future with people that are being put in, you know, unpleasant or unwelcome situations. Yeah, honestly, and Vern, you can chime in. I want to say that we assigned Derek and we made Derek, we empowered Derek, which was good. He was made to be able to tell me what to do in this Mm -hmm. situation. And he did. And that was important. I think allowing that power to be shared. It's funny. I don't know if you know this, Vern, but we said Derek's your mentor. Derek was actually our mentor, the company's mentor, my mentor, to really believe in what we're doing as a company. Like, do we really want to be a platform for people or do we want to be a typical AE firm that says that but does differently? And... It was a good reminder and it was a good reset. And I think it happened right at the end of year three, going into year four, as we embarked on a new strategy. I really feel like this was a critical item for us because our business is people. Like we need amazing people to do amazing design work, to be the future. I think this process we came up with is one brick like the cornerstone in how we build our business. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure this applies to structural and mechanical as well, but architecture is about communication. And when I'm in the dark, either internally or with a client, I have no starting point. Architecture requires parameters. Communication is a parameter and working with people is a parameter. And I think that the accountability you're both talking about is an integral parameter to checks and balances of any group of people doing any sort of practice. Personal accountability and interpersonal accountability are two different things. And I think that we've all grown together in an acceptance that we all need to own our stuff and collectively own our stuff. It's been really inspiring to watch because, you know, who knows one day, maybe I'll start a big company and I'll have big dreams, you know? And, um, just I've just learned so much throughout this process, and I'm really grateful to just have been given a platform, as we love to say, you know, a platform to advocate for myself and to advocate for, hey, I think this could benefit everybody or whatever. So I think it's been really cool. Let's talk about, you know, goals for the rest of this year, maybe early next year. What's that look like? So we had a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> And don't worry, I'm I'm a Jesus freak, so it's fine. <laughs> so I can I can I'm not using. It's not derogatory. Yeah, it's not derogatory <laughs> in any way. So in this process, I think Gus talking about the mentorship of Vern, 
and the mentorship of us as, or me specifically as, as a project manager, as a leader, as a, as a leader of the firm going through um, a short course, I had thought education sucked. Like I've done it. I've got a master's degree. I know enough. I'm an engineer, so I know everything, you know, sort of thing. (laughs) Humble brag. Oh yes. (laughs) I, I, I don't need to do an MBA and so I took this UCLA course last fall. A client of ours sponsored me to do it, which is awesome. They're very um, LGBT forward in their thinking, this company that sponsored us and took this short course. I learned a lot. And through this course, basically, our project was to write a strategy for our firm, like a short-term strategy, a one-year goal. And so what came out of it was Pepe. The process. Pepe. <laughs> Pepe. I love it. It's the best acronym. It's cute. I know. I love it too. That's why I repeated it. So the process for efficient project execution. So it's, it's, uh, I like Pepe better, right? It's very cute. Yes. He's very cute. Right? <laughs> or they are very cute or she's very cute, whatever. Anyone can go by Pepe. But the process for efficient project execution talks about all the things that were the pain points in the first three years of growth. The fact that we didn't have roles defined for people, the fact that we didn't have a strategy at the start of every project, the fact that that strategy was in my head, only in my head and not in everyone else's head, the expectations. So creating processes around our corporate structure, our project structure, the way we execute projects, Mm -hmm. the way we communicate to clients. This is Pepe. And this is our short-term project for this year is to implement all these processes in our company. And one of these processes is to facilitate growth. I think what we skipped over, we went to Pepe, but Pepe was part of a goal of ours. Mm -hmm. And we set out goals. One of our goals is to grow. Like I had to decide last year, am I destroying the company and going to work for somebody? Or am I going to be a one or two person firm? Or am I going to transition to be a leader, to be a uh, manager of a firm? So one of our goals was to grow, to double our revenue, to get capital, to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So I heard that a lot in my course and from various business advisors, including Kristen, that we need capital to grow. And so these were some of our goals and to add people. And so maybe Kristen, you can speak to the fact that we added you and that was one of the major goals of the design collaborative in year four. Yeah, sure. So I do remember really vividly when I was in acting more as an advisor to you early in year four, and you told me about Pepe and you shared this UCLA report with me and I read it and I was really inspired by it because all of the things that you put in your report really resonate with what I feel in very aligned and to do in my life and what I feel very uh, intentional about doing is organizing these processes and creating goals and creating strategies to achieve those goals. So I remember us talking about Pepe and I said, well, okay, Pepe is great, but what about your goals 
for the business. And we sat down and we came up with the double the revenue goal. We came up with another goal of hiring two to three design professionals in year four. We had strategized about what sort of design professional we were looking for. And we decided we were looking for somebody that could help us grow the business, bring in more clients or expand our existing client base, or just help in the more efficient delivery of projects to our existing clients, or somebody that could help implement Pepe. (laughs) So there's a lot of options there with the people that we were looking to bring in. You know, I had advised you, maybe we should look for a senior architect. We did go down that road with a couple of folks and it just didn't quite pan out. And then we kind of both got together and we said, well, what about bringing me on instead of an architect? And an architect could be the secondary person that we aim for in this goal of bringing on two to three design professionals. So here I am and I'm super happy to be here and be implementing Pepe. We're very happy you're here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited about implementing Pepe and really just putting these processes in place to lay the groundwork to be this platform that you have been visualizing. I agree. And honestly, what I love about the vision of the company, the mission of the company is that we evolve to the people. And we initially really were thinking that we needed an architect to bring in those big projects that would, you know, trickle down to us, you know, trickle down economics, right? And we realized that trickle-to-own economics is shitty and doesn't work, (laughs) by the way, that maybe we need to build a stronger company. And I realized through the process of like offering current people who are working with us full-time jobs, they weren't the right fit. They didn't believe in our mission. I think through this process, TDC, the Design Collaborative, we realized collectively that we need people who believe in integrated design, who believe in a platform for all people, who believe in equality in our design, who value the different disciplines and value the contribution and utilize it. Well, and also I just want to add on to that. People who are not afraid to take on the projects that we get, we don't want people that feel that they're too good to serve a client. We want people that are ready and willing to help solve any client's problems and address any client's needs. So we, we're keeping the idealism, <laughs> but we're instituting, <laughs> we're facilitating. And I think this is the key thing with Pepe or the key thing of setting goals. The whole process we did is to strategize before we act. I think what defines an entrepreneur is just acting, doing, going, selling without necessarily a strategy. We're kind of resetting with a strategy, with the same kind of energy, with the same sort of idealism, but with a a strategy for managing these processes, Mm -hmm. implementing and executing these projects. I'll be completely honest, we may have lost two or three beloved clients that I've had for a decade one for five to six years and one for maybe 10 to 13 years because we under-delivered because I didn't manage the process. We didn't have a QA, QC process in the first three years. And we 
maybe delayed projects. And it's just unacceptable. I mean, these people were friends and that's probably the hardest lesson learned and probably why we need a strategy before we act. And it makes sense to think before you you act, think before you talk. <laughs> That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like all of that is such valuable insight, especially to listeners or anyone who is interested in building a business because this is some real stuff. This is the entrepreneurial phase and this is the painful phase moving out of the entrepreneurial phase. The level of like self-honesty accountability is just going to serve us so well and continues to with all the changes that are happening, positives and negatives that are bound to happen. I want to circle back earlier, Jamie, you mentioned that pre-Pepe, pre-year three, what Kristen belovedly said, dumpster fire as a reaction to, you know, we were talking a little bit about vision and that process that you were just talking about. When the process is one person, you know, how does that play out differently now that you and Kristen are working more so in tandem on the management driven side of things when the process was at one point in your head, you were the leader of the pack, right? So how does that play out moving forward in projects that either were finishing or in new ones between the two of you? I actually want to jump in and answer that because I feel like I have a really key insight here. Jamie has a wonderful vision, wonderful mind, but sometimes it's like spaghetti that just <laughs> comes out on a plate and it looks lovely and it, I'm sure it would taste lovely, but I'm here to just straighten out all the strands of spaghetti <laughs> and organize those into tasks and processes could have said it and ideas. <laughs> well, so I mean, spaghetti's it's true. Great. It's just like a... a curly beautiful shapes that are together and I take those things and I I make them linear and put them into concrete steps and actions and plans at least in my mind that's what I'm doing yeah yeah sounds like a great balance I mean it has been so far I think everything is yeah playing out that way from the start I mean the design collaborative I wanted a firm where we were all contributing, where we all had a say, where we were a real platform for people that we had ownership. And that's what I told people. That's how I recruited everybody to the firm was like, no, you are, you know, you can represent the firm. This is your firm. This is your company. This is your life, you know, like you value the same thing I value. And it was a real eye opener when we had our retreat uh, earlier this year and introducing Pepe, introducing what we wanted to do, I heard over and over, this is Jamie's baby. This is Jamie's company. This is Jamie's. This is Jamie's. And I'm like, I failed. The three years of what I wanted the design collaborative to be, I got feedback saying, this is Jamie's. This is Jamie's thing. This is Jamie's. And it I can look back and see how potentially or I definitely <laughs> screwed up and empowering someone doesn't mean that they can just like you give them a bunch of money. People need guidance and I realize that and people need coaching and I need coaching and that UCLA course was, uh, you know, a wake up call to me to say, I need coaching. I need guidance. I need to reach out for guidance. We're creating a board of directors. 
where we want it to be a real board of directors that actually advises us, keeps us accountable. It keeps me accountable, keeps the future CEOs accountable of this company. And we want it to be real. I, I wanted to go back to the mentor thing. I've been in firms for what? a long time, <laughs> been in the business a bit. And we always had a mentorship or a mentor program. And it was like, it was something, it was nice. It wasn't super effective. What we created with Vern and with me and with the people interacting with Vern was amazing. It was eye-opening. It was like a real mentor, a real ombudsman who had power to call us out, a real person who had the back of you talk about whistleblowers and such like, and we created safe spaces for that to happen. And that for me meant stepping back and allowing things to happen, allowing things to, I don't know, have a controlled burn. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to expand on what you said about safe spaces. That really became evident when we did this mentorship program. It was very much a forum for everyone to speak what was on their mind and we let that person say what they needed to say and didn't necessarily pass judgment but we also were very real with the way that we responded to what people said I mean there was it was a safe space but at the same time it, it was also not a space where we're going to tiptoe around each other it was a very like honest and open there was accountability yeah there was accountability and yeah. I mean, personally, I've never been in that sort of like communication environment in the corporate world. And I think that a lot of people and businesses could benefit from that type of a communication structure that's completely honest and also completely safe for people to say whatever is on their mind. And that's Pepe. And that's Pepe. <laughs> well, we had that structure at the retreat when, mm -hmm. you know, there were questions, bullet points, thoughts on the board, and we all had 10 quiet minutes to write our answers down. And we went around in a circle answering one by one, and there were no immediate responses. Everyone was able to share before anyone was responded to. And a safe space is not only defined by you can say whatever you want, but also everyone else is going to say whatever they need to. And we encourage that because... We could be tolerant, but if we're not being accountable, what's the point ultimately? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that tolerance and accountability is also evident in just the identities of the core people of this team. We're open, accepting. We look for projects that reflect our values and taking those values and applying them at home to our core team is like of the utmost importance to truly live what we say, how we advertise ourselves, how we advertise job positions to new people. Yes, it's been really cool to watch and to learn from. What was mentioned earlier, a board of directors. Do we want to talk about the upcoming positions we're looking to fill? We pivoted, right? <laughs> we wanted, to, we thought we'd get the Rainmaker architect. Uh, we are, uh, I think we got the Rainmaker mechanical engineer. Oh, yeah. I think we reset. This is what I love and this is what I stressed about Pepe or my passion is that we make a plan, the plan needs to evolve. It can't be static. And I think Kristen coming on board after me and Kristen as an advisor had the goal, she was saying, you need to get an architect. 
and then your problems will be solved. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get an architect (laughs) and we'll offer this position to our current, you know, partners. And what I realized is, no, we need someone who believes in our mission. We need someone who wants to be a part of this company, a part of this startup. We need Kristen. She was inspired by me finally putting what I had thought for three years on paper. She was thinking the same thing. We need folks that are excited about being in an entrepreneurial startup, crazy badass company (laughs) (laughs) who want to change the world and actually contribute and like be innovative. Like we want to be innovative. We want to, where we can move the needle in a project where we can be a little more sustainable, a little more ecologically appropriate, help where we can. We want to do it in the littlest of decisions and in the biggest of decisions. So I think we need like-minded people. And so now we do have an advertisement out for a senior architect position or a partner in this firm. Our goal, we've advertised, we want an entrepreneurial architect because we realize we need to say exactly what we want. And I think we also need, we've made it clear in our advertisement, our vision as the design collaborative. We want an architect who is passionate about integrated design, egoless design, and also wants to grow a business. That takes a different person. This is something I've learned in the past three years is not everyone is like, yeah, let's just, you know, do whatever. Let's like be an entrepreneur. Come on. You know, it's easy, right? So we are looking for that person. We're looking for another Kristen, another Vern that is a senior architect, ideally licensed here in California, but we're open. They're licensed over in Arizona. We could do work in Arizona. (laughs) Or Texas or New York. Yes. I don't know why I mentioned Texas. (laughs) I'm from Texas, by the way. Hometown pie. I want to step back to, you said egoless design. Let's talk about what that means, you know, either in your discipline specifically or just in general in the integrated world. What does that look like for you? So for me, egoless design means... Everyone comes to the table with what they need to make something work on a project. Maybe the architect comes in with a solution to solve, you know, a code issue. And I have a space constraint mechanically and I can't accommodate that issue and I need a different solution. And maybe the electrical engineer has another issue that needs to be solved and the architect's solution isn't meeting that and my space constraints aren't addressing that. It's... The three of us coming together, putting aside our egos, putting aside our disciplines and solving the three problems that we have and making that work for our client also. We need to make sure that the solutions that we're creating to our problems are also addressing our client's problems or serving our client the best way possible. And it's it's just putting aside your own selfish desire, your own selfish interest to do what's right for the project and what's right for your client. Right. I'm very passionate about this. This is kind of the base, one of the basis of the companies and why we say integrated means egoless is for me. It's the idea that a building is a good building, in my opinion, really respects all the systems. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like the architect needs to understand 
to have a sustainable building needs to understand, you know, the cooling, the HVAC systems and ideally minimizing the HVAC systems and the artificial cooling of spaces. Structurally, I feel like we have a lot of waste. Generally, the standard practice is do a structure, cover it, fit it in an architectural envelope with some coordination. I want to go back to buildings that were architecturally, structurally the same, mechanically the same, and with the electrical and plumbing systems, it all makes sense, you know. For me, bringing everyone to the table and going back to this idea, it's these little things. And Vern, I'm gonna pick on you. I'm not gonna pick on you, actually. That is what I learned not to do. Don't do that, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, don't pick on anyone. No. So it's like, the whole mentorship thing, creating that safe space, what we did during the retreat to give everyone a voice, we want to make that a process in our company to where we actually have a process for all the disciplines to have input. We want to create a space, a safe space for all the disciplines to come in and to ensure that we've heard from everybody that everyone feels comfortable chiming in, that they're not staying in their box, that they're solving the client's problems and right. they know the client's problems and they know the vision of the project. And they're not afraid. They're not giving us their standard solutions, their typical solutions, but they're giving us the solution for that place on this earth, for this client, for the vision. And I want our electrical engineer to, if they think of an innovative way to solve something that's maybe even not having anything to do with electrical engineering, but they see a solution. I want our architect, structural engineer, mechanical engineer, plumbing engineer, whoever, landscaper, civil, whatever it is, to pivot, adjust for the solution. And so I know no design's perfect, but I think where everyone has a voice and we've created a process to support that voice, we've created management systems to actually be a platform, I think we can achieve close to egoless. Yeah. We all yeah, have egos, so it's hard great. to get rid of them. But. <laughs> no, that was a fantastic explanation for both of you. And you know, as we wrap up this episode, you know, I just want to chime in on the egoless design idea. For me, one of my biggest priorities as an architect is client education and client communication. And we have a project manager that is the point of contact with the client. But I think part of the Pepe process and part of us solidifying our core team is giving us the opportunity to sit down before projects, you know, either while we're developing qual packages or right before the project starts, we're discussing the scope together, we're discussing the vision. And part of this process and this streamlining of management has given everybody the opportunity to step in before we start the project, which has been the key of all keys, it, you know, at, in my piece of the company where I sit, just making sure that I know what everybody wants because being the primary architecture whoever at the moment, I'm doing a lot of stuff and I need to know where everyone's at. So I think that the voice that's being, that microphones, so to speak, that's been handed to everybody, like, hey, let me know what's up. Encouraging that communication makes everything so much more streamlined, makes communication with the client so much easier because everybody's on the same page. We're kind of 
what was this? The spaghetti. We're kind of untangling our spaghetti yeah. behind the scenes so that when we present ourselves as a unified front to the client, we are able to communicate as a team. And, you know, I think that that comes down to, again, my priorities is making sure the clients know that we're taking care of them and we are here to help. It's communication and we're here to serve the client. So I really, I loved both of those explanations of egoless design. I'm really glad I picked on that um, but this has been a really great episode and thanks for sharing and being honest about goods bads um what are we talking about next time part two part two so we're part talking two. about what's next what are we doing next what are our business goals for year five looking ahead on our calendars for this podcast potentially what are we doing that's yeah. what we're talking about next time has to do with growth, has to do with automation, has to do with our dreams. We really believe that the platform we're building this year, the management systems we're building this year will will accelerate our growth. So well and not only the future of design, but more globally, what is the future of the AEC industry and how are we going to change that? So we're going to change the world, basically. <laughs> okay. So basically. So the idealism is still here. Glad to know. So, <laughs> it's perfect. So tune in. <laughs> so tune in, of course. Yeah. So thank you, Jamie and Kristen. Again, this has been another episode of All About Design. You can find us on Spotify and other podcast listening platforms. Please check out our other podcast, Fucking Design, every month. Follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook, and you can find us at at TD Collaborative. I also want to thank our sound engineer and composer, Quincy Center. Thank you. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us. So stay tuned for our next episode, part two, about taking over the world, right? <laughs> <laughs>